This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. So I'm starting a new habit this week. I'm reading when I get up in the morning. I didn't get up quite as early as I wanted to, so I didn't put in an hour. I only did 30 minutes, but it is going to be, hopefully, if I can stick with it, a profound impact because the goal is to be better. The goal is to be better tomorrow than I am today, and to in order for that to happen, I have to push myself to do things that A, may be uncomfortable, and B, may not be something that I like doing. So I did two things today that I didn't feel like doing, um, reading. I love reading, but I like to read in my own time and I read in different places, but I made it a thing the first thing in the morning to read. And the second thing I did today was go to the gym. Now, let me just say, I know I need to go to the gym. I have been not going to the gym as frequently and I've been giving myself an out because I do have a gym in my home, but it's not the same as going to the gym and putting myself through the torture that I did today. And I tortured myself today. Can I keep it up? We're going to keep having this conversation. Hopefully I will. Hopefully doing this publicly, I will be holding myself accountable and you'll be holding me accountable spiritually. Uh, But the reading was important because as I talked about in my last podcast, um, and I talked about the psychiatrist who said that you have to read an hour every morning. I know I'm going to work up to that because I didn't get up quite as early as I expected to today but putting in the 30 minutes. And he said, reading not just ordinary things, reading different things, reading things that challenge you. Reading, he said, reading the things that everyone else is reading is not gonna make you extraordinary. It's gonna make you ordinary. So I downloaded or uploaded The Fire Next Time by by James Baldwin. I'm an English major, but I never did read this book because I went to Drew University. And not that I didn't have great black uh, teachers, because I had one, (laughs) I had one in the English department. Um, And uh, shout out to Professor Geraldine Smith. But uh, we didn't do this. We did a lot of Zora Neale Hurston and a lot of um, Toni Morrison, Sula in the bluest eye, but we never did James Baldwin. And um, I'm now discovering him. I've read some of his books, but I've never read this one, The Fire Next Time, which opens with a letter to his nephew. And I want to pause at a place. And again, if you didn't read my, listen to my podcast from yesterday, I'm starting a new thing and I'm challenging people listening to start a new thing because the goal is for us to be super, super beings. I need to have a lot of superheroes out there to do the work that needs to be done next. And that require requires that we work on ourselves. So that's the toughest thing in the world. And some of us will need coaches Some of us will need people that will hold us accountable in our lives. Some of us uh, are self-motivated, and that's great, but there has to be an accountability to to this process. And don't beat yourself up. Listen, I have started so many 30-day challenges and so many 21-day challenges to start new habits that um, I'm embarrassed to say how many I've started and have not succeeded. But am I a failure? No, because in the starting of the process, I'm further along than I would would be if I hadn't started at all. So I'm going to give myself a break and I'm going to ask that you do that as well. But don't start. Don't stop starting. Don't don't quit. You know, just because you haven't been successful at losing 100 pounds or quitting smoking or quitting vaping or stop drinking or stop hanging out or spending your money the way that you spend it. Just because you have been unsuccessful at doing the things that you set forth to do, at accomplishing your goals, 
doesn't make you a failure. What will make you a failure is if you quit trying or if you quit starting the process over again. I'm on a 30-day fast. I'm in day three now, and it was easy because I spent the weekend basically by myself, so I didn't... (laughs) Actually, that's not true. But I'm on a 30-day fast of not saying anything negative about um, black people, and I've had to restart. But each time I've restarted, I've restarted now, I think this is my fourth restart, I don't feel like a failure because now I'm I'm more mindful. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, got to reset. And that's fine. And if I have to reset for the rest of my life, I think I'm going to be better off for the process of doing it because it's making me more mindful about the words that come out of my mouth as it relates to black people and then hopefully all people, right? Because that's really the challenge. It's not just about black people, but I think we have a particular space in humanity that requires that black people are mindful about what we say about black people. So physician heal thyself, that's the first journey. So that's what I'm focusing on now. But let me get to my reading. The Fire Next Time, James Baldwin, and I came upon it, again, this is a letter, starts off with a letter to his nephew, and he says, now, my dear namesake, and his nephew is named after him, obviously, my dear namesake, these innocent and well-meaning people, your countrymen, have caused you to be born under conditions not very far removed from those described for us by Charles Dickens in the London of more than 100 years ago. And I hear the chorus of the innocent screaming, no, this is not true, how bitter you are but I'm writing this letter to you to try to tell you something about how to handle them. For most of them do not yet really know that you exist. I know the conditions under which you were born for I was there. Your countrymen were not there and haven't made it yet. Your grandmother was also there and no one has ever accused her of being bitter. I suggest that the innocents check with her. She isn't hard to find. Your countrymen don't know that she exists either though she has been working for them all their lives. And I just want to pause there because, again, it's more. I read 30 minutes this morning. But the process is to read, write. So I took some notes, think about it, meditate on what you've read. And now I have the added um, benefit of being able to do a podcast about it. So it's inculcated into my life in a way that it wouldn't normally be just writing and meditating on it. I'm talking about it. And I'm talking about it to you. And I want to stop here because I was struck by the innocent, the word innocent that he put in here. And I had something happen to me this weekend where I behaved in a way that was not um, was not godlike. Let me just say that I didn't have to start my 30 day fast over again, but I behaved in a way that I was not proud of with somebody that I was paying to do a job and I felt like they weren't doing the job the way I wanted to. And in that moment, when someone challenged me on how I was behaving, my initial reaction was to defend myself. My initial reaction was to be like, nope, this person didn't do this, 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 and that's why I did this, 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 but I was wrong. And that person that challenged and checked me again is so important that you have people in your lives that can do that for you put me in a position where I couldn't really defend myself even though I was trying. But then I thought, damn, that's your first line of defense is to defend yourself even when you're wrong. And I'm like, I can do better than that. So I sat in it and then I was like, yeah, I could have done that differently, better. I didn't have to put that person in a position to feel like crap. I didn't have to destroy a person's, you know, and I'm using strong words. I didn't destroy them, but I didn't have to behave that way because that person was actually doing their job. 
it just wasn't done the way I may, may have wanted it to be done, but they were doing their job. They were absolutely right. I was wrong. So I had to apologize. And in the apology, the person didn't receive the apology, right? So then I wanted to be mad at them for not receiving my apology. Damn it, I apologized. You know, like, how dare you not go, okay, no problem. But I realized that person, I must have hurt their feelings. Now, in the midst of me being in charge and da-da-da-da, I didn't realize that I hurt their feelings. Was I innocent? You know, was I innocent? In my mind, yeah. Was I really innocent? No, I was not. I was wrong. So I apologized. The person that received the apology and again, I wanted to be defensive about that. But I said, you know, Karen, because we also have to talk to ourselves, you're wrong. You did something, and sometimes sorry's not enough. Sometimes sorry doesn't fix it. Sometimes you got to give people space to either forgive you or not. That's not on you. You can't make somebody forgive you. You are wrong. So the goal is next time don't do that. And the goal is to sit in this feeling of discomfort right now, which you don't like how you feel because you just want to be absolved from the, the thing that you did. You just want to be forgiven and you want them to move on. They're not moving on. So you got to eat that. So I ate it. It was nasty. Didn't taste well. I wanted to regurgitate it, but I swallowed it because I was wrong. And that's the, the consequence of, of being wrong. And so when I read this piece from James Baldwin, the ability to be able to be in the mindset, and I love the word that he uses, countryman. He is so purposeful. James Baldwin is so powerful. Let me thank that psychiatrist for making me read in the morning. So powerful with the use of words. Your countrymen, because he's making that connection, even if they don't, that these are people that are part of your country, that you live in, they're your fellow countrymen. And he said, they're innocent, but he's even using that in a way that is so powerful. He said, your countrymen don't know, they should ask your grandmother, because they call me bitter. You know, the, the, the angry black thing. You know, you're angry black woman, or you, 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 you're angry black man, or y'all are so aggressive, because we don't accept the bull crap that is doled out for us every day. We're not eating that meal. We're reacting the way we should, the way that person that reacted to me when I tried to apologize was like, no, I'm not really trying to accept your apology. You should do better. Psh, whoop. Yes. <laughs> They're reacting to that. Like, how dare you not? How dare you? We're trying our best, but you're not. You're not really because you're not eating the meal that we're dealing back at you. Instead, you're victimizing the victims. And I'm not saying black people are victims because we're not. But in essence, you're telling the person that you've aggrieved that they should just get over it and not react to your bull crap. Well, we're going to react. Sorry. And if you don't like the reaction, change your behavior. As Baldwin writes, your countrymen, they don't know your grandmother exists, though she's been working for them all their lives. So the question is, how can you not see me? How can you not know I exist when all around your very life, this very country that was built on the backs of people who look like me wouldn't exist without us. Your economy would not exist without us. The, the, the culture that you love so much, from the music to the fashion to your art, could not be as vibrant. The food that you eat would not be as delicious or tasteful or tasty. Without the, without the inclusion of the spices that come from the people that you don't see. So you see the outcome, 
You see the food, the clothing, the, the, the music, the art. You see that, but you don't see us. So he says, I'm going to tell you how to handle them. I can't wait to continue to read because I need to know. James Baldwin's putting down some lessons here because that's, that's what he does. But I want to thank, again, the process because everything that I read, you know, I want to bring into uh, the fold here. I want to share it with you because that has to be the process, too. You can't hoard your knowledge. You can't hoard your gift. Gifts, they're gifts. They're to be given. If you have a gift, you have to share it. And so it can be un, un, op so it can be opened and unpackaged for somebody else. That's your job as a human being. And you, and many of you who are parents, you do it for your children, but you can't just stop there. Everybody in this world is connected to you, who you're connected to, and you must share the knowledge that you've been given. So I'm sharing with you. Let me know what you think about this. You can follow me on Twitter at Karen Hunter. Follow me at Karen Hunter. Use the hashtag podcast. I would love to have a conversation with you, but I can't find it on Twitter unless you use the hashtag podcast. So do that at Karen Hunter. And then if you have any questions as well, I'll look for those and answer them on a Sunday when I feel like it. Uh, but, but let me know what you think about this James Baldwin. And I'm going to keep unpacking this, uh, you know, probably, I don't know, for a while. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Share this with as many people as you can. Again, I'm trying to crack the continent of Africa in particular. So if you know any folk on the continent of Africa, share this with them and tell them to spread it to two or three friends. That's all it takes. All right, y'all. Till next time. <laughs>